You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And we are breaking down Bears Day 2 here with Quentin Crisco, also known as Butkistats, one of the primary members of our Building the Board team. And Q, I was willing to wait two extra hours in New York after the draft to get you on this podcast because there's nobody I want to talk to more than the man who we went to we went to Mobile we saw Zach Pickens we've talked about Javon Dexter you've put in the work and I've done some work like I know a little bit about these guys but you've watched five games of each guy right yeah like, yeah, like, like something like that. Not Tyreek Stevenson. I think I only watched one or two of him, but the the okay. two linemen. Yeah, I, I, I went in on both of them before the senior and you've bowl. You've been on these guys like yeah. as really, really solid players to the point where, look, okay, I don't want to immediately start a podcast and be like, ho ho, surprise. We like the picks that maybe some people think are big reaches. But look, I mean, Q, this is where things get so weird because I wish that I could sit here behind a microphone and act big and tough and say, well, Dane Brugler said, well, PFF's mock board said, but unfortunately I put in hundreds of hours of film study. <laughs> and I know you put in hundreds of hours of film study and these players slap, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, I don't know if you remember on the, uh, on the drive home from mobile, we were just talking something about like the bears draft picks and, you asked me a question about player in the second round. Who am I taking right now? And I told you, Javon Dexter. Yeah, like it was. It was that simple to me. Then it's still like I, I love. I love that player. I, so I'm high on these guys. I know a lot of people aren't right now, but I am. And let's dig into it because I think there's a lot more than that. Look, I, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, you're going to hear a lot of reasons to like these picks on this podcast, just more than likely, because Q, this isn't the direction that I think I would have gone had I been in charge of the Bears. But at the same time, I got jobbed on my board of all my favorite players, right? Like, yeah. we still get a sweet one in Tyreek Stevenson, but guys like uh, guys like Cam Smith, who made it all the way to 50, well, he's gone to 51. Keanu Benton, who made it all the way to uh, 48, was going to 49. Cried. I mean, Julius Brents, gone. Uh, tons of these guys. The only one that would have been left was Zach Harrison, who wouldn't have been as much of a reach as people would have thought. He ended up getting taken at 75. That's not the point. It's more to say that by the time the Bears sat patiently and waited and got to 53, first things first. I mean, obviously, I know you like Dexter. I know you like Pickens. But, like, Outside of Adetomi Adebaware, who's the talk of the town, despite not having been drafted as of pick 102, who were the other options? 
in your opinion? I, I was expecting JMS. Like that that's who I thought it was gonna be there. I, I knew like Dexter was 47 on my board for a reason. I knew that I loved him there, but I didn't expect them to, you know, like just right. because I hadn't seen anyone else show him that type of love. So I was like, I, I get I might be alone in this one, but um I said JMS, I think I think it was JMS and Tommy. That was those were the two guys who it was like, it's gotta be one of those two. And that's the thing. I mean, I remember, so I've been on stream with a couple Giants guys and they were jonesing for JMS, which we'll get to that in a minute because not only did the Bears take a pick at 53, then they traded right in front of the Giants. And I was like, well, who are they trading in front of the Giants for? Right? Like, I thought it was clearly JMS, who obviously they had interest in. They ended up picking him. But I thought it was going to be JMS too, not, but, but for the same reason you did, right? Where I thought to myself, all the guys that I like, there's no way they do. But then again, Q, as we review this draft process, I mean, one of my favorite receivers in Michigan State's Jaden Reed ended up going pick 50 to the obviously hated Green Bay Packers. It's clear that, look, I don't want to toot our own horn too much, Q. There are some of these players that I think the consensus mock draft board was way off on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, by the end of like, you know, early in the draft process, I was doing a lot of mocks. And then by about halfway through, it was kind of like, these are just, a, they felt like a waste of time. So it was like, I didn't think the players that were available in the mock were going to be anywhere near what, what was reality. And it was like, well, I can go pick my own guys, but then it's like, I'm turning it into like an hour, two hour event to try and do one trying to go through my boards and figure out, Oh, who's going to be there. Who, like, so it was just like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm done with these. No. Right. I mean, I get you. And so let's get to the pick itself. 53 Florida defensive tackle, Javon Dexter. Tell me your thoughts. What had you put him at 47? I mean, so I just saw a guy who he could take on double teams, not really move guy. who's just a big, strong anchor in the middle of that Florida defense. I, when I when I mentioned his name on the way back from Mobile to you, I said he's the engine that makes Florida's defense go. I thoroughly believe that. He kept linebackers clean. He just did a lot of weird things on film that was like, he shouldn't be able to do that. Right. This guy shouldn't he shouldn't be able be playing out at a five tech and back at a nose and then pulling around on a crazy stunt and um He's slow off the football. He's really tall, like pad level, really tall on top of being really tall itself, which is also kind of weird for a nose tackle, right? Because right. nose tackle, you want more natural leverage, but it's not mattering. So this guy's got to be so strong to be for like his lower half just has to be so immensely strong for that to not be mattering. And for him to still be making plays on top of it is like, can we fix these things? Right. I think you can fix these things. All of a sudden you are talking about a really, really talented football player. If you, if you even fix these things somewhat, you're talking about a guy who can be a difference maker on your defense. And I, I just couldn't get that, that out of my head that the technique can be this poor and he's still winning. So Same. if Brian Poles is saying, they're saying, after, I mean, the workout they put Darnell right through, if they did that with this guy and came away feeling like we should take this guy, 
that's a, that's pretty clear to me. You are getting extreme talent at a heavy discount here. And then, like, we saw Lester Wilfong tweet out just a little bit ago. He was matching it. Jerron Dexter in Florida's defense was asked to match a mirror, which means ball is snapped. He's not he's not trying to shoot off the football. He is watching the offensive linemen in front of them and matching and mirroring their movements, almost blocking the blockers, you know, keeping the linebackers clean, letting them play clean coverage and and tidying up run lanes, which suddenly makes so much sense when you think about how poor his get off is. Because it's like, why would his get off be this poor? You know, we, we see his combine testing. It's his te- his 10 yard split isn't good, but his 40 is great. His explosive numbers are really strong. So his get off shouldn't be this slow. So what, like watching the film, I kept thinking that too. It's like, man, what is going on here? I ended up chalking it up to he's a nose tackle playing 50 snaps a game, but which also might have factored into it. That's a lot of snaps for a 320, 330 pound man. Um, but the final thing that I really liked about Dexter, and it was something I was trying to do early in the process and kind of fell off later. He matches the hits principle from everything I saw on film. And people say that there are loafs on his tape. I mean, maybe if you're counting a slow get off or something like that, but he always ran to the football every single snap he recovered. I mean, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me or I never actually looked them up, but I saw him recover multiple fumbles on tape just because he was running to the play every time, which I think is a major selling point for this regime as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, what gets kind of funny, I know, as I chime in on Dexter, is when when you're trying to watch a bunch of prospects, like especially when it came for me, because I was doing corners, DBs, and by proxy, a bunch of receivers, uh, and as well as tight ends. I wanted to know what was going on with some of these linemen, but all I could give them was about a game and a half, right, Q? <laughs> and so, yeah. would would you believe it? Just my luck, I managed to pick Javon Dexter versus Kentucky. And for those who don't know, if you'd like to see a highlight tape disguised as a game, Javon Dexter looks unblockable. Like, I mean, slow get off or not, Q, he's not even slowed by some of these linemen on more than one pass rush rep where it looks like he just stands up and goes and hits Will Levis. Like, I mean, I wish it was more complicated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, eventually he stands up and then he closes and then he hits Will Levis or he chases Will Levis out or he hurries Will Levis. Like, I mean, I would tell you if there was a long arm, his arms aren't that long. I would tell you if there was some Adebaware style, separate conversation, like hand usage or a ghost move, he just put his hand out, ran through arms that were attempting to stop him like a freight train going through a police blockade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so if yeah. you really want to have some fun with his tape and really early in the process, I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch their 22 tape. Maybe they're 21, 20. If they have it, but like, see how they progressed, you know, see mm-hmm. if they got better each year. And clearly I did not have the time to do that with a lot of guys. I found out quickly, but I did that with Dexter. And you go back to his early, early tape at Florida when he was a little lighter. 
his athleticism shines even more. Like oh, it's no. <laughs> oh gosh. You're right. And I mean, I actually look, I would love to pretend to you that I'm some football master that knows what matching and mirroring means. I'm gonna have to research it. Like I at first blush, I don't know what that means. I will tell you that Q maybe he's not as mentally quick as some players are like surprised the guy playing defensive line doesn't have the anticipation of a safety and that him matching and mirroring meant that he played hesitant. Right. And that theoretically, if you tell him to just get up and go, regardless of what's going on, that you can shorten the get off problems. I mean, look, Q, I think the piece of this whole equation that I don't know if I don't know how many people are or aren't talking about it, so I won't paint with a broad brush. But there are a lot of people that came into the draft with one thing on their mind, and it was protect Justin Fields. Darnell Wright comes along. Another thing people came into the draft with their mind on was the pass the pass rush for the Bears was terrible, right? But yeah. Q, there's a third piece to this. And if anything, if you ask the Bears defensive staff, they might have told you it was a bigger problem. You know what I'm leading to? Yeah. The Bears couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run with eight in the box for crying out loud. And they just, they just paid a couple linebackers a whole bunch of money. It'd be a shame if they just weren't clean ever. Exactly. And so while I'm not about to pretend that Dexter would have been my choice because I didn't know the defensive lineman well enough, if they think they can get a super athlete and best worst case scenario, Q, he's a guy with poor get off that still isn't moving in the run game. That helps you take second and five and make it second and eight, right? Yeah. Second and second and two turns into second and nine, second and 11, second and seven, like forces defenses to grind a little more. But before we skip to the end, Q, this also, I think it's understated how much this does for a defense that I know is craving to run more cover two, run more safety disguise, run more like stuff with seven in the box Jervon Dexter and skipping forward a little bit Zach Pickens helps you feel more confident that with seven guys in the box you can actually stop the run even just a reasonable amount and before this before these two picks I don't know if the Bears actually had a viable way of doing this other than asking a lot out of one-year deal Andrew Billings you know what I'm saying yeah well and I think like with with Dexter, one of the things that I think so so much about like defensive tackle and people who are you know reading up and learning about the positions and what the Bears want, it's almost a hyper focus on shooting gaps, right? And pass rush. Yeah, and we're talking about a nose tackle. I know Paul said he thinks he could both guys can play both, but. Really, at the end of the day, Jerron Dexter is going to be your two tech most of the time on, well, on that on that front. And what do you ask a nose tackle to do? They got to hold up. And I'm not sure there's anyone in this draft outside maybe Keanu Benton who I think is going to hold up in the middle of the line better than Jerron Dexter. Totally. But let's go ahead and and bring Zach Pickens into this conversation because yeah. I do actually want to talk about both linemen at the same time. I think yeah. that's that's part of the point here. Talk me through what you saw about Zach Pickens, because I'll tell you when I watched his tape, because I was watching the DBs and 
the safeties during the senior bowl. I see the flash is a five-star talent. I had you on that stream beforehand. You showed me. I kept an eye out whenever I was watching, say, Broderick Jones's Georgia line against Zach Pickens. Like, number six on South Carolina continues to hold up at least a couple times every play. Do you have any idea why the general draft consensus wasn't higher on him from Jump Street? Because honestly, this feels like the right natural spot based on his tape, based on his pedigree, based on his age. Is it as simple as production numbers? I th- I mean, I think some of it is. I think some of it is just having a little bit of creativity in your vision. Like, I think... I learned today that the Bears scouts are willing to see stuff more creatively. When they, when they see a guy play, playing college football, especially on the line at this point, um, and they're looking at him and they can't quite figure it out, right? They're saying, this guy, see, I, I feel like I'm seeing something, but I don't know what it is. They're taking that next step and figuring out why that is, why Zach Pickens feels like he's flashing but nothing's really happening because he's two gapping he's a 290 pound lineman which is underweight for where, what they were playing him at i mean i was i was making some film today for zach pickens and or not making but making a cut up today of zach pickens and he was playing zero tech two gapping is a zero tech at 290 pounds in the sec that is not <laughs> normal you know, like it's this guy is cut up, doesn't have much fat on his body, mostly muscle, incredible get off, incredible bend. Um, like there are times where it, it almost seems like he can bend in half to get out of a block. But all he's doing is stuffing a run, you know, and it's not showing up on the statue. It's not it, you see it on the film. If, you, if you're just taking it for, for what it's worth that you're seeing. It's just a play, you know, they got a run stop. Nice. Why'd they get the run stop? Because he held up against, you know, a center one-on-one and held two different run lanes. It's his job there in that South Carolina defense did not play to his strengths. And he stayed there. He didn't transfer out. He was the number eight recruit in the country. Number eight recruit in the country at a high school. Not just a five-star, a top 10 recruit at a high school. He stayed there, worked at it learn the craft and it's kind of like will mcdonald at iowa state to a lesser degree but like will mcdonald was 240 pounds playing a five tech like that's not normal and that's the way i see zach pickens right now 290 playing a zero tech that's not normal and he wasn't zero tech every down but it was enough to be noticeable right and i mean q you could talk i want to weave back in what we were talking about with dexter obviously you like both of these linemen it sure sounds like if i'm hearing you right you'd think dexter would be the one tech and pickens would be the more natural three tech is that right. correct yeah to me one of the things that the bears really got killed on q and you saw it because the packers were willing to do it ad nauseum is that people realized near the end of the season that i don't know not only was the bears run defense bad but they had guys picked out for each lane that they weren't moving yeah. because they didn't want Mike Pinnell at three t- technique and they didn't want Justin Jones at one technique. And this matters because if everybody listening can envision a formation really fast, if the Packers took a tight end on the right-hand side that's nubbed up against the uh, offensive line and they sent him in motion 
from the right-hand side across the quarterback. You can envision him moving across to the left-hand side. Suddenly, you have a tight end gap on the right side and a three technique, you got to remember, that is closer to that tight end than uh, than they are anything else. They're on that right-hand side. And you've now got an extra gap on the left with a one technique instead of a three technique. The three technique is too far away from the play, and normally, Q, fronts would bump. You would have the one technique shift out. You can envision everybody. You've seen it on the broadcast. The defensive lineman, like, move over a gap. The Bears didn't do that. They stayed stagnant, and they got breached on that, or like, immediately through that gap. My thought is, Q, by getting two linemen, frankly, two linemen that can play three technique or one technique, even if they're better suited for the other one, you get a front that you can bump. So is it young? Of course it is. But you know what I mean, Q, where it becomes a little bit more versatile that now between those two, Justin Jones and Andrew Billings, you've got a decent interior group that you can at least try to stop the run with and put the opposing offense into third down situations that make them uncomfortable. Your pass rush still may not be amazing, and I'm not trying to pretend it is, but it becomes a lot closer to a normal NFL standard defense than it was before today. Yeah. And that's, it's one of the reasons I was higher on my board because my board was for the bears, right? It was one of the reasons I was higher on Dexter and to a lesser extent Pickens was because Dexter, his scheme fit that I had in, in the draft profile was flexible two tech slash one tech as in, He's a two tech or one tech, but in a pinch, you can you can bump it when you need to. And same with Pickens to a lesser extent. I felt like what he showed on the tape playing zero tech, one tech, two I was enough for me to be comfortable saying in a pinch, he can serve a, a nose tackle role. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Exactly. And I, if anything, Q... As ridiculous as it sounds, because I'm sure there's somebody out there that wanted an edge rusher. I don't know if any of the edge rushers really made any sense. It would have been a matter of whether you're comfortable with Zach Harrison at that point, which, I mean, I would have been fine with it. But the moment they picked Pickens, I saw that Pickens makes Dexter better and vice versa. That if you just had one of them, you're going to ask them to be the superstar. Right, you're going to take a late second round pick, and you're going to say, "Hey, you pal, Javon Dexter, you pal, Zach Pickens, you got to be it on this line because we don't have anything else." But with the two of them, they can challenge guards and tackles together. Right, you right. can have Zach Pickens make a play on first down, and Javon Dexter get a one on one to benefit from immediately after that and take a poor guard that's maybe 33 years old and starting to get over the hill, right, for a ride all the way back into the backfield. I mean, 
we're talking best case scenario. They're young. They'll have their rookie moments. And you and I both know that. Yeah. But I get that one edge, that best case scenario, they're going to draw the chip, right? And one interior lineman, that best case scenario, they're going to draw the double, doesn't actually help you exploit like and punish offense or offenses and create trouble for them quite like having two does as unsung a hero as he is Grover Stewart is part of the reason that DeForest Buckner is so dangerous because the moment you leave Stewart entirely by himself, he'll punish you. It's fun to see the bears bring that model over. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just wait till they get Isaiah McGuire tomorrow. Oh, man. <laughs> That's if they don't take one of my sweet tight ends, which, by the way, so excited. I like I I know it's not a victory lap. I promise you've had clearly some of these seeing Brenton Strange and Luke Schoenmacher go in the second who were obviously outrageously talented. Cameron Latu earned this. I don't know if you yeah. saw the same thing. That I, was, I, did. I was saying on our stream that like I was like, man. I was lower on Watu than I wanted to be. It was just because I didn't go back and watch another game and like adjust his grade. But like, I, I like him better than my grade here. <laughs> Same. You and I walked out of the senior bowl saying he looks like NFL tight ends. We've watched our entire life, you know, yeah. and whether Bryce threw to him or not was a separate question. Like he's, he's fun to see Payne Durham's totally going to go in the fifth. Like, if not the fourth, Will Mallory, he's probably going to go next round. I'm convinced because he yeah. blocks. Koontz doesn't. I, I think that matters. I'm seriously, seriously excited for Schoenmacher. I do think it's hilarious that the one tight end I was legitimately low on is Packer. Well, I guess there's two now. So yeah. the Packers get a really good one in uh, Tucker Craft. I'm really excited about him. But. Musgrave, I remember leaving the senior bowl, suddenly realizing he's good at a lot of the things that tight ends don't really do a lot of. But I'm beating yeah. around the bush. If I was a Bears fan, I'd be like, Robert, we're missing one. Yeah, I know. So let's talk about Tyreek Stevenson. Q, when you saw Bears trade up, were you thinking JMS? Yeah, I was thinking JMS or Tommy. I mean, that was again, had to be one of those two. Had to be, right? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, again, I'm sitting next to some Giants fans. And as soon as I saw that the Bears traded up, I was like, we're about to rip their hearts out and take John Michael Schmitz, which admittedly, look, I, I don't want to be ageist, like especially in JMS's film. I was the one talking you into him on our way to Mobile yeah. because his age is is like he's pretty old. But by all accounts, he should have come out of Minnesota last year. It was not a matter of he couldn't. It's a matter of he didn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the Bears trade away pick number 130. Was it five? 135? Yeah, I think so. They trade away 135. They draft Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. And I mean, Quentin, I'm stoked. Like, not only are the Bears addressing DB, a position that I think they had a pretty hefty need at. I mean, I think in the NFL these days, okay, let's think about it this way, Q. Everybody wants to talk about how you need a really quality stable of weapons, that you need a mass amount of weapons just as much as you need quality of weapons. The same applies for your DB room. Like, as weapons advance in the NFL, as Jordan Addison joins the Vikings, as the, Vi or as the Lions somehow manage to turn five top 70 picks into, like, two picks that I'm afraid of, like, that that's a separate conversation. We'll get there. <laughs> um, 
you need DBs that aren't Kendall Vildor to at least start the season for you so that as guys get hurt, Kendall Vildor comes in as depth instead of being the original plan. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Ty- Tyreek Stevenson brings a really, really wonderful blend of enough length, enough size, enough athleticism. He's explosive. He's like he's got long speed, especially for his size. Guys don't normally run that fast. Like he's got clean hands, really fun technique, in my opinion, anticipatory, which is not normal for corners, if you ask me. And above all, some of these guys, Q, you get to see him in person. You realize they're a little different. Like yeah. R- Riley Moss, I love him like corner out of Iowa. He was on every senior bowl receivers highlight tape. Like if you made a play, it was probably against Riley Moss. It could have been against Caillou Blue Kelly. And there were a couple other corners that I, I won't name drop. It's more like not everybody has a great week out there. Tyreek Stevenson played so well at the senior bowl that he opted out of day three. He, like Dewan Jones, felt like he made such strong statements day one and day two. And this was against supposedly the good receivers, IQ. Uh, Didn't end up being that way. But Rashi Rice, Tank Dell, um, there were a couple others. I'm trying to remember that American team. But I know that those receivers like Dontavion Wicks, Xavier Hutchinson, yeah. like there were some guys that can play on that team. And Tyreek Stevenson and Julius Brents beat the snot out of them. But while Rez John Wright and Julius Brents were the ones really pounding them with their hands, Stevenson had the hips to match and had a particularly spectacular play where think cover three technique, but out of the nickel, he on a slot fade that ended in the end zone. He jammed his guy at the five yard mark, flipped his hips and sank backwards, turning over his right hand shoulder because the throws along the right hand sidelines and sank back, found the ball, matched his man up with, with eyes in the back of his head and was able to get his full palm on the ball and slap it away for as clean a corner rep as you're going to look at. I, I think I remember that one. I didn't remember that that was him, but I, I think I remember seeing that. It's He's he's good. He's good, yeah. Quinn. It'll take him a second, I'm sure, to get adjusted to NFL speed, but at the same time, we're not talking about somebody out of Washington. We're talking about somebody out of the SEC. So, or I know not the SEC. I just forget because he played Texas A&M and I always get lost in that kind of thing. He played for Miami, obviously, but either way, I think Stevenson is a really wonderful ad. He's been a, my guy throughout this whole draft process. I thought we were going to get the chance to take Brent's and that Stevenson was going to go earlier, but we got, we got it flipped. So I actually tend to think the Bears got the better day one player, even if I don't know if he projects to be the potential superstar that is Kansas State, uh, what corollary would have been. Yeah. Not important. So it's I actually, I, uh, I I mean, I corner, cornerback play, safety play is not my area, you know, but like I did watch them and try to grade them. And I, I actually I liked Stevenson more than Brents. I you know I know Brents is the most freakish would. athlete, but I I thought Stevenson looked like the, the cleaner player, which like you said might be might mean just a day one. You're just like player. a friend of mine, Bobby Skinner. You and a lot of other people are looking for can you play today? And what I generally look for is can you play tomorrow against the NFL's best. Does that make sense? Like I'm more thinking projection. So when I look at the difference between in the giants, we've been talking a lot about Deontay banks versus Tyreek Stevenson. What stands out to me is that Tyree's or that, uh, 
Tyreek's agility will eventually hold him back. Yes. Unless he plays in a cover two cover that has him breaking forwards or breaking backwards. And GQ, I can't imagine where he would do that. Can you? I imagine there's a bunch of people out there that, first of all, can't believe that a center didn't get picked. And I get it. Like, I vibe with where you're going, but I don't think that JMS. So I think the Bears were looking for round four center or guard center versatility. And with Tipman picked and Avila picked and Mock picked all before the Bears got there, the versatile guy wasn't there, right? So it was a matter of, are yeah. they going to get JMS or are they going to get a guy in the fourth round? And Q, the Bears are on the clock. They could take Luke Whipler tomorrow, who a lot of people have in the second round. We lost our Stromberg dream. Rip. I but I think, I think Stromberg was their guy. I, I think so, too. But uh, then, like, outside of the, the point is, is that I, the board seems to be whispering in our ear cue. They didn't need JMS because yeah. if you wanted the letter grade lower version of JMS, you could get him a full two rounds later and still get a corner and the corner near the same level. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I'm I'm really interested in the way the Bears have approached this, but the number one thing that sticks out to me, Q, is a lot of people have said that the Bears need to protect Justin Fields. You need to whether I've seen some people wanting a receiver, I've seen a lot of people wanting a lineman. And Q, I don't know how you feel about this, but the more I really stew on it, the more that once the Bears pick Darnell Wright, all I could think about was there's nothing more dangerous for a quarterback than a game that's out of control. Right. Like as silly as it sounds, you can't run a play action attack down 14 points. Right. right. That's going to lead to a lot of drop back passing. And the more you drop back, the more you're going to take sacks. You may take a lower percentage of sacks. You will take more sacks by dropping back to pass 45 times a game. Agree. Yeah. So to me, Q, I actually think this helps protect Justin Fields a lot to Put the defense into a stable punching state where Alan Williams and Matt Eberflus can cook up the schemes that they want to run instead of calling what they think has a chance in hell of working, knowing that they don't have the personnel to run functionally anything. As silly yeah. as it sounds, the Bears scored 30 points three weeks in a row against New England, Miami, and Dallas, and they lost all of those games. Like, there are not all, sorry, they lost two out of three of them, which is unacceptable yeah. territory. Wouldn't you agree? Like, yeah. I mean, it was just Justin scored 30, but it didn't matter. Exactly. To me, again, I feel like this sounds a little on the cornball-y side, but when you really dive into game control, right, as helpful as an offense would be, it will help the offense a lot if the defense doesn't give up a score three out of every four drives, right? If you yeah. can limit the defense or if you can limit the opposing offense to more field goals, to more three and outs, to more bleed 20 yards and stop, right? If you can put, God forbid, the Bears lead a football game for an extended period of time and hold the lead, right, Quentin? Like, yeah. offensive line help is great. Of course, I hope the Bears continue to add offensive line help. It's a bummer. They lost one of their fifth-round picks. I think it was worth it to get Stevenson if they felt like somebody was going to come off the board soon. Sure, they got a player I like. I'm not going to sweat it. But you probably can't steal A.T. Perry 
unless you can. But anyways, um, all, all this to say, Quentin, that like I think as bizarre as it looks, the Bears get three good players and this is going to help the team win more football games because the offense managed to manufacture points in the middle of the season with Darnell Mooney, Justin Fields, and a dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. The hope would be DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, and Darnell Mooney coming back, uh, coming back a full season of Claypool. Look, I could give you all the Bears talking points, but the point is Justin Fields being a superstar will score you some points. But if you give up 28 to Marcus Mariota's Falcons, I think it was 27, you might lose anyways. And yeah. in this case, I think Tyreek Stevenson, Javon Dexter, and Zach Pickens, despite being maybe not the direction I expected the Bears to go, am I crazy for thinking this puts the Bears in a much better position to win both 2023 and 2024 football games by giving the defense enough talent to hang around? even if the offense doesn't necessarily become like a B plus offense. Cause let's face it, it still wouldn't have been a plus with three second round picks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this team is in about as good position as you could ask coming into today. I mean, or coming into yesterday, even, I mean, they, it's offensive line suddenly is looking competent. Even if I don't want to trust Cody white here for a full season, like I, I can, I, I love Alex Forsyth out of Oregon, you can get him in the fourth round. And that might be being generous according to the boards, but according to my board, you can get him in the fourth round. Um, and he, he's a guy you might trust coming in if white hair goes down. That's kind of where you're sitting at with the offensive line. But outside of that, I mean, outside of center, where are you going with the pick on offense? Unless you're just trying to upgrade a, a receiver over Claypool, which might not even be an upgrade at this point in the second round. Tight end. Tight end uh, is where well, you're going. Well, we got Will Mallory, our, our dude. Come on. <laughs> How long you really think he's going to last? I'm, I I'm, know. I'm not attempting to be corny. A lot of people, like, it seems like, call me reading the tea leaves, Q. It seems like Mike Renner heard people liked Brett, uh, Bretton Strange, and they stuck him in the second round. And when they did, I happened to run a PFF mock and saw them put Bretton Strange in the second round and went, I've never heard of this man. I should probably yeah. watch him, watched him, loved him, <laughs> like agreed with Renner. And then Renner chickened out and put him back in the fourth a couple days later. He like, we have liked these tight ends. The NFL has obviously agreed. Will Mallory can move. Will Mallory can block. Will Mallory is a stabilizing point for that Miami offense. I don't care how many draft simulators keep trying to put him in the 150s. He's a good player. And he has every ability to end up that tight end. You and I have talked about this offline. The people look back in the past and go, wow, I can't believe it was him of all people that ended up being good. You know what I'm saying, yeah. Quentin? Like, yeah. <laughs> he had one of the best and quietest senior bowls out of anybody not named Payne Durham. Another guy getting slept on. But yeah. if the Bears want a Heath Miller clone, I will be socked. <laughs> I mean, Payne Durham's one of the best football names I've ever heard. So I was sold the second I saw his name. I mean, he's he's a good blocking tight end. My favorite part about Durham is 
any linebacker that treats him like he's slow is going to end up posted up and embarrassed, which yeah. is not something I could say about a lot of these line or these tight ends. Schumacher, for instance, for as much as I love him and outrageously physical as he is in the hole, it's not super physical catcher of the football. And there's no way the Bears want Zach Koontz. But I'm not trying to rally the tight end crew and talk about tight ends, no matter how much I've grown to love the position. <laughs> it's more to say, to me, the center pick in the fourth round risks me not getting my tight end but theoretically yeah. i could get my tight end at pick 130 something and still get the value of probably what should have been number 90 does that make sense yeah like, absolutely not everybody needs a tight end for crying out loud not and yeah. frankly it's shocking that the packers took two because yeah. i don't know if i've ever seen that kind of investment in the tight end position and i'm sure tight ends around the globe thank them for that but we'll we'll see i mean overall how'd you come away from day two did you like the trade-up do you like the I mean, players i can't i the trade-up i barely even think about because it's like i mean i i feel like they didn't give much up and it was you know, go get your guy you're, you're there it's gonna cost you what a fifth rounder that's fine you know um especially when your guy is one of my guys mm-hmm. <laughs> um and they you know they walked away with two of my guys coming into coming into the draft this evening. I, I had a tweet this afternoon. I said, watch for these four guys. These four guys are who I'm paying attention to. They're probably going to go earlier than everyone thinks. And one of them was Dervon Dexter. One of them uh, was uh, Zach. I keep wanting to say Harrison. Uh, it could be Zach Harrison, but did you mean Pickens? Uh, well, one of them was Zach Harrison, but Zach Pickens. <laughs> it was Zach Harrison, Zach Pickens, um, Javon Dexter and Ricky Stromberg and all four went to them went to the bears. Yep. And we, we take those. I mean, seriously, the, this, this harkens back to old conversations cue that everybody's had where they say the bears are so thin at so many positions that there's not really a way to be wrong. I can't help feeling like to use a weird metaphor. Everybody wanted a chocolate cake. Get me some value. Get me one of the players that I like. And the Bears came out with a really cool strawberry vanilla cake, which was not what anybody ordered. But it will work. <laughs> like yeah. This plan makes sense. This isn't taking Jack Campbell in the first round. I mean, honestly, it's not. It's throwing two athletic freaks at the defensive line and getting a stud close as possible to day one ready long enough system fit corner after by the way I, it's not lost on me that the bears traded up just a couple picks after brents and cam smith fell off the board they clearly if you ask me had a cloud of those three guys as they were dropping down and once you got to one left the alarm bells ran off and yeah i mean i don't love giving a pick away i'm never gonna love giving a pick away but Bears have been trading down so often now six trades in uh, it was six trades down in eight rounds before the trade up. Now it's six trade downs in 10 rounds, I guess that I'll let it go. Howie Roseman trades up all the time. The guys that trade down tend to navigate the draft board like it is all part of the game, right? So they get a corner. You need good DBs like they get two very athletic linemen that you're saying. I mean, Q pedigree good tape like bizarre issues that are very correctable right yeah. recipes for underrated guys right yeah. and we look around the nfl a lot of the overrated guys like 
Adebowale, apparently. There must be something wrong with him, I guess. You said that earlier. You've got me convinced. I'm. There, there's got to be something in an interview, some type of medical red flag. Like I don't see – like guys were taking chances on edge rushers and defensive linemen already in the draft that I don't think have the upside of Adebowale athletically and have some serious issues technically – Right. They aren't as violent of players as Adebowale is naturally. There must be something that is pushing him down this board. And hand usage. I mean, Kobe Turner doesn't have the hands that Adebowale yeah. has, regardless of whether he's figured out which position he's playing, which can be a real <laughs> challenge for him. Yeah. It, it's weird talking about this because, Q, you take a look at some of the athletic profiles that got drafted later than people anticipated. Um, okay, I didn't have like a mid-three on Josh Downs. But I have been like the Josh Downs hater this whole draft cycle. Yeah. So it's that shocking to me that a guy whose offense was perfect for him and is 5'9 and tested well, but not DJ Turner well, right? Like not Tyler Scott well, not that he got drafted either. Like that he didn't end up dra- or that he didn't end up drafted near the second round. You look at guys, in my opinion, like Javon Dexter, like Zach Pickens, and when you really start to do your homework, I'm not talking like film doesn't lie as if that's some magic elixir, right? Q. I'm talking yeah. like five star prospects. I'm talking SEC pedigree. I'm talking clear and obvious athletic testing. I'm talking all about- academic team captains. Right. Like, were they both? Uh, I think they both were, yeah. I, I think Unreal. they were both captains. I know Pickens was all academic. Unreal. Like, you start to see, in my opinion, that if it wasn't going to be the Bears, it was going to be somebody. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. there's there's just too many things on their resume that a guy, again, like Kobe Turner or whoever that guy that the Lions traded up for, just don't have working their way on the defensive line. To me... These are picks that some are going to call reaches. And at the end of the day, I think the Bears ended up with two really good prospects in a draft that some making Tavis Burton at 47, which blows my mind. Like, did you watch? Who was it? Jertain Martin, the uh, nickel safety. Illinois. Yeah, I know. I was I was a lot higher on Quan Martin than you were. I know that, but um, so, I, I think I had him around eighty on my board. So I mean, forty-seven was still a surprise, but I, I did like his tape. Not forty-seven, I, like it. But <laughs> the big issue I had with Quan Martin is that whenever we're talking about not an outside corner, right? We're talking about in this case a slot corner or a safety. I have to see instincts. And Quan Martin yeah. seemed like to me a guy who he wasn't playing ahead of the play. He wasn't playing in time with the play. He was playing behind the play. And whenever teams just attacked him relentlessly, whether as a nickel corner or as a safety, he lost. And yeah. to me, I mean, Q, that sounds like a teamer. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, No, I mean, I'll be blatantly honest here. I had such a hard time analyzing the Illinois secondary because it was just so good but you didn't know where it was, why it was good. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was hard to decipher, like which guy was the difference maker and which guy was along for the ride. Right. I think it was Sid and spoon personally. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, 
but that's that's just my two cents. I also think Illinois had a decent stable of pass rushers, but that's us getting way too deep on the uh, Illinois defense. But it'll be really interesting. It, more than anything, I think the argument I'm trying to make, Q, is that there are some people who are going to say something's a reach because the draft board says it was, right? I think reaches come in different forms than that. Reaches come from when you can't really justify why one guy got taken in blank place. Like, why is Quan Martin taken above DJ Turner? To me, if you're looking for the outrageously athletic, well-pedigreed defensive back, DJ Turner is faster has better tape like worst case scenario he's a nickel corner but he has really good tape against really good opponents on the outside so i mean this is the same org that drafted emmanuel forbes at 16 over christian gonzalez so maybe they just had their heart set on certain guys right yeah. but I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people that are going to try to make the argument that javon dexter or zach pickens are somehow these major reaches I, I just – I come away not yeah. thinking that. Like, well, and I mean, I think at the end of the day, when you're trying to define it based on someone else's board, you got to realize – I mean, I have, I have a consolidated big board of 10 of the best draft analysts out there. The standard deviation, once you hit the mid-second round, hits about 30. So, Whoa. I mean, these guys are all over everybody's board. It's not like there's some magic number that they're all at. There, there was a massive deviation in where everyone has these guys. Man, now you make me want to put together like something more <laughs> official. How many rounds do you need on a big board uh, to get it in your little or to get it in your algorithm? Because I do want to test accuracy. I think that sounds fun. Um, so I do actually write an article every year for ONTAP Sportsnet trying to do that exact thing. Uh, accuracy for a top 100 and accuracy by position where it's like you're QB one versus QB two versus QB three and like how accurate you were. It's against AV, which is you know a fairly flawed stat, but it's better than nothing. <laughs> better than nothing, exactly. Perfect. Well, Q, that's day two. It is three a.m. in New York City. Uh, I got to catch a flight at noon, so I got to probably get some sleep for it. But before we go, where can folks find you and your fabulous work online? Yeah, so. My written work is over at ONTAP Sportsnet. Also podcasting for the Bears on Tap podcast. We just wrapped up our day two stream, few, what feels like a few hours ago. Might have been a few more than that. Um, and I have an article coming out tomorrow about the top 60 players left in the draft and the best fits for the Bears. So go check that out. And then also for more general NFL content, go check out Shaving Points podcast. We, uh, we talk everything football that you can imagine, and we will give you some bets along the way that we hope are winners. We both, both me and my co-hosts, were positive last football season um, and killed it on the college basketball March Madness. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Way to go, Q. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. And Bears fans, thanks so much for bearing down. More draft coverage coming your way. And until next time. Bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with me.